Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. Uh, and we are here to cover the 1996, uh, fuck it, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it, magnificent masterpiece that is Scream. <laughs> um, but before we get to that, this is the excitement. Now we're doing Moss Eisley, you've got two weeks in which to watch stuff in between. Uh, that does mean this section might take a very long time. But Chris... Have you watched anything horror-related in the last fortnight? I have. Following on from the book that Adam got me for Christmas, the Usborne UFO book, and recommend recommendation from Claire to watch Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends, uh, Series 1, Episode 2, all about UFOs. And that is a very good episode. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure most <laughs> of the episodes are equally good, because I, I, I've definitely seen... A few of these over the years but i did not remember just how cheeky he is like i remembered him as being quite polite and mm. watching this i was like no he's way closer to ali g in some of the the <laughs> you know mm. cheeky offensiveness that he does um so yeah yeah like it's, it's amazing you know some of the people he meets um we had the thor templar the self-titled lord commander of the earth protectorate that dressed him up with a uh, some sort of headgear connected to this gun that you have to shoot with your mind. Um, and, of yeah. course, no, no aliens turned up, but, you know. <laughs> he had, he had a lot, it looked like a lot of fun in the windy, cold <laughs> seaside, I think they were at. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's so entertaining and so well done. Um, mutilated yeah. cows, lovely. Um, yeah. Who else? Oh, Blue Rose Ministry, where he meets Reverend Robert Short. Who, who like, actually did quite a good job. I mean, it looked like he practised quite a bit of uh, channelling, I think, you know, some alien being. To, I'm, uh, uh, yeah. I'm uh, receiving... Uh... <laughs> oh, God. And, and, and then just that, that absolutely lovely bit where he comes out of his trance and says to Louis, I'm and, sweating, yeah, yeah. fill my chest, Come and, and then just grabs his hand and puts it on yeah. his... And then that's butt. where... <laughs> yeah, impressive uh, hairy chest full of yeah. square. But yeah, and Louis like just wiping it, you know, sort of yeah. a little, little bit subtly, but not enough for you to not notice the disgust. A, a podgy, unfit man in his fifties <laughs> with a very hairy chest says, "Oh, I'm sweating. Feel that." Like, oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's not yeah. selling it to me. Yeah. Um, but it's, but it's funny to see who who think like who really believes it. Trying to work out, you know, does this person really believe it, and mm. how much are they just, you know, it's totally understandable, isn't it? I mean, a, a village and places with not a lot to their name, who have the opportunity to jump at the you know massive gold rush that is UFO sightings, mm. you know, you could totally understand how you could probably even start off on it and you're like, well, we should do this because, you know, it's good for tourism. But then you probably do start to believe it at some point. I think it's like we said with the, you remember we Adam and I watched the Netflix thing where they did uh, the the little, where the, the ghost hunters got the message saying about the little Martians that were running around that were coming out of the caves. Mm. Um, yeah. And they basically put all their money into going there and hiring a film crew yeah. for six weeks and then nothing at all happens and they just <laughs> make shit up because yeah. like, I'm, I'm sure they're not trying to deceive, but they're so desperate to find so, something. Yeah. They just yeah. keep making something out of and absolutely anything. nothing. 
have to keep nudging. Thing, like, you know, you do psychology 101 and you realise brains make up a load of shit. Like, that's what we do. We just see patterns in stuff. Like, that explains the majority of, you know, the confusing things out there. Yeah. Yeah, it makes up for so much. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And also, yeah, so, you've got the people who are profiteering from the people who clearly believe. Mm. And that is some whole next level bastardry. Like yeah. you say... <laughs> Like I say, there's a one of the one of the this is this couple and they sell loads of anti-alien gear, mm. and it's yeah, and they're basically uh, it's basically like a light gun, yeah, off of like a uh, off a um, console, mm. and they've wired it to like a, a helmet, and it's a gun doesn't fire any form of projectile or anything. It fires thoughts. Oh God! And that's how, and it's one of those wonderful things where it's like, yeah, I suppose you're not going to get any comebacks on this, are you? <laughs> not really. <laughs> you know, you can you can make claims with this shit. It's like, oh yeah, it definitely kills aliens. Yeah. You know. And you I think you were saying, saying it was like worry about. It's it's 25th century. The stuff that he was making, not there's no rubbish. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's no, great. So I think we should definitely watch some more of those. But I don't know, is there any more horror-related ones? Um, well, it's, it's, there's, there's when, he, when he spent time with Jimmy Savile, but that's... On a, yeah, that is <laughs> one type of horror. His stuff nowadays is a lot more serious. And I must confess, mm. I'm a bit like how people were with Woody Allen, where mm. it's like, you know, I hope they... Um, there's an end of the world Oh, yeah, that's true. There's an end of the world episode, which oh, is like preppers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. And that, yeah. Well, that, we're, we're all good. preppers now. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, that's the thing. You'll watch that and just go, yeah. I these fuckers are doing all right at the moment. Yeah, yeah. they're probably quite like, you should have listened to us. Come away at the end of it with a shopping list of all the things that you should yeah. stockpiling. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that, um, that, but there's, yeah, I, I'm a bit like how people were with Woody Allen, where um, they got annoyed when he started making serious films. And it's like, go back to being a mm. dude funny, films. go back to being a stand up comedian. <laughs> and I'm a bit like that with Lou through, where it's like, okay. just, just do a weird weekend just... where it was like, you know, now, now, now it's all things like, you know, um, the meth epidemic in America. And, mm. you not, know, not life quite as funny, that, really. Like that. Yeah. And none of it sort of, yeah, it's it, it's definitely it definitely loses its laugh, right? Uh, element. Starting to get a bit bit requiem there. Mm. <laughs> he did some he did some good um, like sort of ones where it's with famous people. And like I say, mm. he did one with Jimmy Savile, but uh, which is when you watch that before you knew what was going on, mm. you felt that's what's going on from that documentary because he's like okay. He just seems to push it the whole fucking time. He really mm. does. And actually, weirdly enough, there's um, uh, Sarah, like my sister, has uh, was has always been like a Louis Theroux fan. She mm. had a DVD. She had a. She's got a DVD of the first series of Weird Weekends, and um, there's a commentary. Well, it's not quite a commentary. You know that thing where you get like a, a symbol will come up on a DVD. And you press it, and it will take you to a cut scene. 
hmm. or it would hmm. make it. And what it was is it was basically a commentary of him and Jimmy Savile watching his old Weird Weekend stuff. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Jimmy Savile, the one thing that he's always picking up on is, well, he's a con man. <laughs> he's, a, <laughs> he's a liar. And it's like, yeah, because yeah, it takes one no one, did it, Jimmy? You're pretty expert <laughs> at this, yeah. Yeah. You can, you can spot a devious arsehole at fucking 50 paces, mate. So, yeah. But there's... I mean, they're all. I mean, there's there's one where he goes and looks at rap, where mm-hmm. they actually force him to do a rap. Um, there's um, there's there's a wrestling one where they like he he sort of goes and it's more the sort of um, like the the low end wrestling, not like WWE or whatever like yeah. that. But it's a lot more sort of the sort of the local sort of scene and stuff, scenes and things like that of wrestling. And yeah, at one point he goes to a sort of boot camp that these wrestlers have and they basically torture him for about, <laughs> for a day by making him yeah. go through all the exercises, basically saying to him, right, you want to tell me that wrestling's fake and we're all, we're not mm. proper athletes. Right. We'll put you through your paces and everything. And it's like, and I mean, it's it's cruel. They drive him to the point of being sick. So it's like you know. Yeah. There's there's also there's also there's I mean there's still some ones that they still have a more. I, I'm loath to say quirky flavour, but it's they're still part of weird weekends. Is there's ones where he goes and meets like, um, white supremacists in America and stuff like that, but mm. they still have their moments, and it's mostly because it'll be weird things like. There's one where it's some guy who's going on about, oh, I really like the British uh, British humour. Yeah, I really like... Uh, I watched that Are You Being Served with Mrs. Slocum and, she, you know, and she's always saying about things and it's hilarious. And he just... And these are like hardline white supremacists. Yeah. Like, you know, hate everyone who's different. The sort of ones and, that we're, we're getting a few, you know, viewings of currently. Well, exactly, but but and Louis just says to this guy, "So, what do you think of Mister Humphreys?" Yeah, because obviously, like they're you know they obviously you know they they they're anti-gay as much as anything mm-hmm. else, and he's like, and this bloke's like, "Oh, I I just I just don't really watch when he's on," and it's it's like just this sort of weird <laughs> like all these sort of circles that they have to knot themselves in and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But even down when it's like a dispute in like the local KKK group because one of them said, well, no, you shouldn't be doing Nazi salutes. We're not Nazis. We're the KKK. And it's like this... But the whole thing's like, you're going to get us into trouble. People are going to start saying we're Nazis. Yeah. You're, like, you're the fucking KKK. You're in trouble. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. But there are, and his, he did a Scientology one, which is great. Mm, okay. And that would definitely appeal to you. Uh, because he ends up, basically, he ends up speaking to, he was so lucky with this, because there was a huge load of um, documentaries around at the same sort of time about Scientology. But mm. he happened to he happened to start doing it just at the point that basically one of the right-hand men of Scientology defected. Mm, okay. And basically, he goes through with him saying, right, well, these are all the techniques that we do. Yeah. You know, this is what we do to people. This is how we 
you know, how we that, um, gang stalk them. And that is exactly you know, what you want when you're trying just, to make a documentary. Because mm. <laughs> this, this guy, not only is he, and, and you can still see, you know, he is not a nice man, mm. is the best way I can put it. Um, and although he's defected from the thing, he, he still has, you know, you'd imagine that when he was in a position of power, yeah. like if you were in the Church of Scientology, this guy would be like Vader, you know, he's, yeah. you know, everyone shits themselves when he comes into the room type. Mm. And um, so, but it's really, you know, Luther has done a lot of really good documentaries. I recommend mm. all the weird weekends, essentially. There's one where he, uh, he looks at porn and stuff like that. There's what? Oh, yeah, there's one where he goes to a mega brothel. There's one where he hangs around sure. with swingers. Um, but, yeah. no, <laughs> he, he gets involved. Yeah. But definitely the end of the... the um, like Claire said, the end of the world one, the preppers one, mm. uh, is definitely a watch. Okay, excellent. Um, yeah. Adam, have you watched anything apart from uh, every episode of Louis Theroux by the sounds of it? Well, that that's been an ongoing task. That certainly <laughs> wasn't in the last. That wasn't in the last one. Basically, I lived. Obviously, I was living at home. Sarah watched Louis Theroux and would show me all the good stuff. And then <laughs> I moved in with Claire. Claire's a massive Louis Theroux fan, so that just continued. So it's, you know, <laughs> but. It's quite nice that I've had to make no effort to enjoy something that's really fucking good. Mm. In so much as other people have done the digging and other people have brought it to me. It was like, oh, that's, yeah, this is just fucking good. <laughs> but um, I have, and I'm going to put a bit of a spoiler alert here myself. I'm going to say thank you, Chris, because I did at least this week see a good film, um, which was Night of the Creeps, which I have never fucking seen before. Mm. And oh man, thank you! It is fucking marvelous. Mm, it really, really, just so. Basically, I can see why um, not for everyone have sampled it all over the show because <laughs> it is such a not for everyone film. You know, it's just it's all it's all the right boxes of crazy, strange gory, funny, daft, you know, there's, yeah. It's, it's funny though, so, so it's obviously, it's an 80s film, but it was never released on DVD, so everyone was going apeshit for ages about not being able to buy legal copies of it until, mm -hmm. it, was, it was probably only about a decade or so ago that it finally came out, so I'd heard about mm. it forever and never got a chance to see it, because mm, you'd only same. see it if you get hold of a VHS copy, but oh, what an amazing film. Yeah. With the with the mighty Tom Atkins, I think you know. As at some point, we should cover it, if only so we can just enjoy going thrill me. <laughs> it is a fantastic movie. So, so thank you, Chris. That was a, 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 a returning on Christmas presents. Yeah, that was yeah. fucking great. I just sat there and um, yeah, that that steam rolled over me, and it will do again. <laughs> um, I also, having watched it now, I'm a bit more. Yeah, I can see what people were talking about with Slither. Yes. Where it's like, you know, we're sort of like, oh, I didn't really think it was like Night of the Creeps. And he's like, didn't you? Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's well, well inspired. But yeah, it, even if it, it, it prob could well be utterly unintentional, mm. but 
if, if it is, it's like, yeah, but you've watched this film a lot, haven't you? Because this is <laughs> yeah. now just this is now just the wiring of your brain. That's why it's come out like this. So, well, that, but, that um, does encourage me. Then I look forward to when we cover that. It's a, it, honestly, yeah. Um, I was like, like Lee said, it's one of those ones that was oddly mythic in so much mm. as it just never seemed to get a release anywhere. It was never out. I don't think it was out on video, like to buy in the shops. I don't even know if it was out rental or, you know, presume it was at one point. But yeah, yeah. so it's one that never sort of really came out. And then, yeah, in in beautiful Blu ray. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Comedy, <laughs> horror, sci fi. Everything you yes. need right there. Oh, definitely, sir. Definitely. Um, also, I mean, obviously, we've got a note. There have been, we've had a couple of losses. Uh, obviously, Barbara Shelley died. Yeah. Um, which is, um, you know, First Lady of Hammer. A real, uh, it's a, a very much a shame because, I mean, she's a brilliant actress and she was so good in those uh, films. But also, I, I can't remember, this was, this is going back a little while now, but also, um, Lee, uh, um, Marky. Uh, recently as well who's the lead in the, the nominal lead in Curse of the Crimson Altar yes mm. yeah yeah. Uh, yeah he died a few weeks back as well so um, yes although unfortunately I don't want the show to become like my Instagram which at the moment feels like a fucking obituary column yeah so... <laughs> yeah it's well, getting it's a bit like that I know it's mm. <laughs> um so I've watched a few things in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, notably, uh, I rewatched Cooties from 2014. Um, oh, yeah. It, it, it didn't get a very, I don't know, it just, I think it was kind of straight to DVD. I don't think it had a mainstream release. Um, but it's Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson. Basically, Elijah mm. Wood is a temporary teacher. He te he's gone back to his hometown uh, and is living there and the girl who we always fancied is a teacher at the local school he goes back to temp there uh, and on his first day there there is a zombie outbreak but the zombie outbreak only affects children mm. so, uh, so basically it's all of the teachers have to kill their way out of the school past <laughs> all the children it's absolutely fantastic and hilarious <laughs> um, what's that called sorry man uh, cooties oh cooties yeah oh. Strange enough, never seen the film. I have got the soundtrack though. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why are we not surprised? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's one of those that just kind of came and went, and I bought it, and it sat on the shelf for ages, and nobody talked about it, and I kind of forgot it, forgot about it. And I watched it one night, half pissed, and remember quite enjoying it. And then I mentioned it last week to Jennifer, and she said, "Yeah, I don't remember that." So we dug it out and put it on, and yeah, just had an absolute laugh fest for an hour and a half it's fantastic it's really good um also in contrast to that not having a laugh riot whatsoever uh, but again back to uh christmas presents thank you very much chris uh i watched blood on satan's claw last week for the first time mm. hey um yeah i i can it, it, it's a fantastic film i can totally see why it's a cult classic it's it has got that folk horror Mm. Uh, feel yeah. to it. it it's, an, it's an incredible film but it's funny if you hadn't said it about it originally being an anthology and then they kind of break the walls down 
So it doesn't have the anthology feel, but when you mm. watch the separate stories, you're like, yeah, that that feels nothing like what was just happening 20 minutes ago. So yeah, the opening story of the guy coming home with his wife to be the next day and what happens to her. And then it flip into them chasing the woman through the forest and throwing her in. Like it's all completely different. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's really good. It's, it's weird because it was only when it was only when I read that, that I thought back to it and actually and it, it it's weird because it, it feels almost like actually it feels almost like sort of like the League of Gentlemen where it's like it's a series of incidents in an area mm. but affecting different groups that don't it doesn't really mix. Yeah. Like they, you know none of the characters cross over or anything else like that particularly. Yeah um, with the exception because of the actual of, Satan character. Yeah, he's the kind yeah. of through line of them all, which is strange, but yeah, but yeah, it works really well. I was really, I was really pleased. I finally got around to seeing it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a cracking. It's, again, that's one we'd need to cover. I mean, so I'm sure, yeah, I'm, it sounds like we will. I think. Well, also because you've got, um, oh, uh, what's it called? Because obviously you've got uh, the Wicker Man, but really, I think, I think Blood on Satan's Claw is probably. Um, it's the only folk horror that really goes off of the big ones that are always listed, which is Wicker Man, Blood on Satan's Claw and um, Witchfinder General. It's the only one that does actually have a supernatural element to it. Mm. You know, so I like, I, I think I like it above those just in that sort of sense. Yeah. That there is, yeah, just a bit more sort of actual ancient evil rather than just people evil yeah mm. yeah definitely yeah it's a fantastic movie so thank you very That's much Chris. great you're welcome um uh so for new year's eve obviously because we we're all in lockdown nobody was going out mm. um so i watched the cornetto trilogy which of course starts with <laughs> Shaun of the dead so uh yes yeah and i've not i didn't realize until i sat down to watch it i've probably not seen that film in seven or eight years i think it's one of those mm -hmm. i kind of watched to death a bit and then yeah. didn't watch it for ages but now going back and re-watching it especially in, in, with all three um mm -hmm. yeah totally loved it such a classic um and then today just very quickly i saw a film called scare package um mm -hmm. low budget indie horror well mainly low budget indie horror it does have couple of people in it you'll recognize um but yeah seven short stories seven directors out of the seven stories six of them are good and one of them's a bit huh? um but yeah it's well worth watching really good fun really really funny like definitely more comedy horror um but yeah it goes on that like super splatter fest people literally turning into on screen turning into puddles of goop and yeah, nice. just crazy nonsense. Totally loved it. So, uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Uh, so, uh, to this evening's main, uh, actually, this evening's main event, but I should drop in. I did mention to Chris just before we started recording. Um, the other things I've watched in the last fortnight is Screen 2, 3, and 4, which we watched back-to-back -back oh, last right. weekend. So, uh, cool. 
I am. It gives us a hint of how much you liked Scream. I am the king of Scream knowledge. Well, as I say, well, I watched Scream two, three months ago, uh, which is when I discussed it with Adam, and he went, oh, we need to put that on the list. So we have. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I thought I would come back and watch it, but I thought I'd rather watch two, three, and four, and if I don't get back to re-watch it, I'll remember it well enough. Um, but yeah, I did. I re-watched it this afternoon, so all's good. <laughs> cool. So... Chris, was this your first viewing of Scream or did you see it when it first came out? I did see it when it first came out. So I think this was one where it was, uh, you know, going to the cinema, quite a few of us went, um, sort of happened, you know, two or three times a year, I suppose, with big films. And I remember this standing out as something big. I'd forgotten that it was Wes Craven. I know we mentioned that recently. At the time, I probably did know it. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd seen seen at least one maybe two Nightmare on Elm Streets um so yeah I'm sure I did know and I just remembered it being you know sort of uh the the sort of horror film that was doing things differently mm. and you know watching it again I remember exactly why but what's really funny now I'll say straight out yeah fantastic um so well constructed so entertaining great balance of some comedy entertainment some depth you know uh, elements of serious sort of story behind it and also the mystery trying to work out the motives you know all of that's great and then of course the self-referential or um yeah and tons of references which i now recognize a lot more of which was great um but yeah but what was really funny is watching it for this now the second time and knowing the main twist but still, it still really worked as being very entertaining. Like, even though you know who it is, seeing the way that they act throughout, it's like, it's still kind of plausible. You know, I mean, some of it is far-fetched. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I was still surprised at just how well it worked, even though I knew what was going to happen. I think that's a testament to Wes Craven more than anything. I think he, yeah, you know... Because um, I was quite, I was quite surprised. Is I didn't realise that. Um, I think he he does all. Um, he he did all the sequels as well, which is so rare. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, with uh, any horror movie franchise, it's really rare that it, you know a director, especially like a, a director, then does it to maintain. As well, mm. which is very, which is quite unusual because a lot of the time it's like the sequel gets brought up and like the director can't be asked; they're doing something else, and they're not interested yeah. in doing anything more with it. Whereas I think Scream does give you that opportunity because it is reflexive. Because I, because I seem to remember enjoying the second one more. I've only mm. I've only watched Scream this time around. That's interesting. But but because at that point they really go whole hog, if I remember rightly, because that's when they're within the film there is a film called Stab. That's right, yeah. <laughs> right. And and it's based on it's based on the real murders. Mm. Um and even down to the fact that there's in this, Neve Campbell has the line about probably Tori Spelling would play me. Yes. And she yeah. does play her in... She plays the film stab version of uh, Sydney. That's 
Um, and I think at that point, I, I I enjoyed that more because I think it's, again, it's the thing of... The, I think, I'll be honest, I've watched this, it left me really cold. I thought I just, that mm. you didn't sound like you enjoyed it at I was, all. Yeah, I was, just, I was just not into it. I mean, there's an element where I think it was just, it's, it's so 90s, but in the sense that a lot of stuff came from it. But I think it's that thing of, you know, you go back and it's like, oh, I love this band. And then, oh, I like that band that likes that band. And then you eventually mm. like, yeah, I, I, this band has put me off the band I originally liked. <laughs> by, so, do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm trying to articulate it in the best way, which would help as a podcast, obviously. Um, but where it's well, like, one, it, one of the key aspects, yeah. One, it's like everything that comes after kind of tarnishes it because of the amount of people who were trying to do it. And I mm. don't think I can get out of that mindset now because after this, <laughs> you, most most of which are written by the guy who wrote who wrote uh, Screen, Kevin Williamson, but you get like, um, I know what you did last summer and The Faculty, um, oh, uh, Final Destination. Mm. And they're all in a very they're all in a similar ilk and it's like even down to this this feels like joss whedon could have written it mm. like in terms of the dialogue and everything else like that but i think i've just got to the point where it's like i don't care about teenagers <laughs> yeah it would so, so is it, i did wonder if that would put me off but somehow i think like, i really quite liked neve campbell throughout um i'd sort of she was better than i'd remembered i suppose uh, probably just generally acting and and i think uh i think it was also kind of funny so i've seen scary movie a few times and so in my head i was kind of remembering elements of that and then seeing this it's like no i can see obviously where they've taken a lot of what they've yeah. put in that film but you know it's like seeing uh the the um deputy sheriff dewey yes and like, and it's like no, he's kind of similar, but you know. I'm it's... I'm so glad you spotted that because that that's probably a really good example. Because I was thinking all the way through it, I just kept thinking of him as fucking uh, doofy. <laughs> yeah, is what he's called. Isn't what that character's called in scary movie. Yeah, and but uh, and in a weird way, I'm kind of like, oh come on, screen, couldn't you have had doofy in it? Because <laughs> like, what's his name? Like um uh. David Arquette? He's David He's Arquette, David. yeah. Oh, David mm. Arquette, yeah. So so many Arquettes, but yeah. <laughs> um, and it's obviously, it's like, it is a comic role, but now mm. it's almost like, yeah, but Scary Mo Movie showed me how that can be a really comic role, yeah. where he <laughs> basically, you know, sort of <laughs> mentally deficient and, mm. you know, just bizarre. So, maybe, but... Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think, but then the weird thing is, you get scary movie and Scream is a parody in a weird yeah. way, or it is a comedy. Yeah. Mm. So, and the whole point of it is the comment on what it is. Yeah. So essentially, yeah. So scary movie is a satire of a satire of a satire, essentially. Yeah. And but I think they got around that by just putting loads of weed and mm. poo jokes yeah. in it. Uh, you know, yeah. that's probably that's probably the safest bet. You know, it's like, well, we could we there's this really sophisticated parody that 
it blurs between being an actual horror movie and a comment on horror movies. But we should still do a parody of it because it's the most, like, it's the biggest film of the year. It's the end thing, okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we'll just put <laughs> bottom knob gags in. Which, incidentally, is a, a very good name for anyone who might have received two cats lately. And you're wondering what to refer to <laughs> name the kittens. Bot and knob gags. That's the... Uh, that's the that's the suggested names from from this from this corner of the Welcome to Horror uh, <laughs> archives. Um, yeah, yeah, so I, I think, I, like so Lee, you, you did enjoy it, didn't you? I mean, obviously to watch yeah. the other three, yeah. But so, <laughs> like, I think for me it worked. See, like right from the start, I really liked the first scene with Drew Barrymore, and yeah, I suppose I'd forgotten she was in it. So it's like, okay, she's a bit of a weird one to have and kill off very quickly. But and I, I just really liked the. Um, the way they set it up, you got the phone call and then they're asking other questions and I'd totally forgotten about that. And I was like, oh, hold on. No, I know the answer to this. It's, uh, it? Halloween, it's, it's, my, my, it's my Myers. Yeah, I know it. Right? And then and then he asked the next one, um, uh, Friday the 13th. And I was like, it's Jason. I've got that one as well. And then, of course, it's tricked you and it's not. It's his yeah. mum. And I was like, oh, no, yeah, you've got me. Okay. And then by that point, I was sucked in. I was like, right, this is great. This is, you know, I think there's the, more the, to see now. Yeah, because the first first time I watched it, I did exactly the same thing. <laughs> Who's the killer in front of that? Jason. And then <laughs> it's like, no, it's like, and and the worst part is that in a weird way, um, that's because that opening sequence is great, and it is again, it's something that then lots of people did, which sort mm. of got annoying. But it was that wonderful thing of because literally. When I was looking back through the cast list of this, with the possible exception of Courtney Cox, mm. Drew Barrymore is probably still the biggest name in this film. Oh, definitely, yeah. If you yeah. made it today, Drew Barrymore would be the biggest name on the, on the cast yeah. list. And then, so there's no way you're killing her right at the start. Yeah. <laughs> and then they do. And it's, that's, yeah. That's why it's brilliant. It is. It's the psycho thing, isn't it? It's we'll bring this mm. character in, we'll follow her. You think she's the main character. No, she's dead within the first seven minutes of the film. Really brutally yeah. and unnecessarily. Mm. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not even in a way where it's like, oh, they could pop up again later. They haven't just no. gone missing. <laughs> you've been you've been hung and gutted by uh, from a tree, you know. Yeah. So it's you're dead. Um, it, I, but I, I, again, that was something. And again, I think it was something that that brought in. The whole film brings in a lot of really great stuff but I also found that I th I just think it just turned horror up a blind alley for about well basically until probably the early 2000s because hmm. everything at this point everything after this point was kind of like Scream yeah mm. oh yeah and not and not necessarily the good parts yeah you know they were like oh well you get a load of telegenic teenagers to wisecrack and get bumped off one by one and it's like no you get a bunch of ugly film students because you've got no budget and you and you hack them apart in texas that's what you do but yeah, <laughs> so, but, so, yeah I'm, but I, what i loved was i, I uh yeah it, it has got that annoying i do know what you mean that kind of mm. wisecracky teenage but i really like matthew lillard in this is just Fantastic! I think I do like him. Generally. Who does he play? Uh, so he was Jackie. Stuart. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he yeah. is. 
he is a pretty serious character him all the way through it yeah because <laughs> interesting enough claire watched it with me and mm. claire is i think nearer in your near is certainly nearer in age to you chris mm. so this is this is essentially her era i mean it's our era as well but, but you know is sort of when she was literally the target audience of Scream. Mm. Um, you know, sort of like late teens or mid to late teens. And yeah, um, no, I think Claire was, like, for Claire, it was almost like when you watch something from your childhood and you're like, oh, that's that's so 90s. That's so, <laughs> or, you know, that's that's so, I, I mean, what, one thing I will say, the font, horrible. Yeah, that is awful. <laughs> That is because that is the font that accompanies eight million shit straight to video serial killer films. Yeah, because because the the logo on the poster, the screen with the like the uh, knife edge um, M, um, mm. that's a lovely graphic. But when you actually watch the film, you put it on, it's like, oh, have we bought the cheap rip off? Because <laughs> this, yeah. you know, that's it's it's you know, and. Yeah, there's there's a certain level to it. I mean, I I don't think anyone that that's the thing with it is it's I don't I hate to shit on it, but just from my own personal thing from it was that it was like I just didn't. Yeah, yeah that was it. I was like, oh, okay. Well, it's and like I it's, think it's, well, like it's, you say, it's it's the same as I had with Halloween. I said the same thing. Mm, Halloween came. Mm. Halloween come out and nobody had ever done it again. I'd be like, well, that's a great movie. But it came yeah. out and then you had 150 other films where they yeah. just had the somebody else in a different mask. And I was just like, do you know what? I'm just sick of the flavour in total now and I've got no interest in mm. any of them. So, yeah, I do appreciate what you're saying. It's, you know, yeah. like you say, there was this and then Urban Legend came out and I know what you did last That's another one, yeah. Yeah. But there, were, there was hundreds of them and they were... But it was it was the meta comedy of this that I liked that the others mm. didn't they they didn't have and that's what I found in this one was particularly uh, yeah worked particularly well for me. Um, I thought there were, there was quite a lot to the this, this, there were more details in this than I'd remembered. So like with the mystery of you know her dad's gone away and the phones uh, you know trying to trace who had made the calls and it said they cloned it. I mean I was trying to work out you know how much of this is is likely how much of this could have been done or are there any flaws in it but you know it seemed kind of reasonable and the, um, the head teacher as well I mean there was obviously trying to the make fonts. you think oh, it could be him could be him yeah yeah you know he was great when he's uh, threatening the children to like, not just expel them but be able to rip talk them to apart kids like that you little <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah I also um I Apparently, I didn't realise this. Henry Winkler is not credited on screen. He's not credited on the film at all. Mm. Oh, really? And, and apparently, again, it was uh, he sort he suggested it to them. I mean, I don't know whether he was just ashamed of himself, but um, no, he suggested it to them because he said it was like again, it's another big name on a cast list mm. of other, and you know, are people going to not... turn up? And it's like, oh, he's literally in. It's a cameo. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. he's in what three, four scenes or something like that. Um, I quite liked Freddie as the janitor. In it. Yeah, yeah, that's where it's crazy. 
Oh, is it? Yeah. That's great. Dressed up as Fred the janitor. Yeah, I do. Lo- I love that bit with him. <laughs> Not you, Fred. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, Especially because uh, the amount of times I have to do that at work myself. <laughs> wander around going, fucking bunch of pricks and cunts. Oh, not you, mate. Um, yeah, and <laughs> um, yeah, Linda Blair cameo yes. as well. Mm. I forget that every time. But yeah, it always catches me. Again, and I don't know whether it's, I don't know whether it's because of what comes after or maybe it's even in the sequels there was more of it. But I, for some reason, when I was watching it, I thought there were more cameos. Mm. Like, I, I mean, I don't, for some reason in my head, and I don't know, have I got it confused with Anchorman somehow? But <laughs> I was convinced that there was a scene where they were going across, they are filming all the roving reporters and literally every one of them was like a big, like yeah. a big cameo name or a big horror name or something like that. Um, which doesn't happen. So I've, <laughs> I don't know where I've made that up from. It's not in the sequels either, I don't think. But yeah, I just had this because I was, I was like, oh yeah, I've got to keep an eye out for Linda Blair. And I was like, I keep an eye out for all the others. And it's, it's, there's no others. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing that does make me laugh in this as well, um, and it does go along with our side project, Ghostface is definitely the storm killer, the stormtrooper of all of the slasher killers. He's nine times oh, out of okay. ten, he swings and stabs a door or <laughs> a bed frame or like, don't but, get me wrong. But that makes sense once you know who they are. <laughs> well, it does. But you pull the knife back, useless. somebody moves, you don't swing it. Once somebody has moved off of a door, you don't swing the knife three seconds later and embed it in the woodwork. Which yeah, but, but he's probably drunk or you know, worse. Just, yeah, they are. He's not or, is it, yeah. Yeah. Is it, or is it like... Um, the hidden camera. They're on a thirty. He's on a thirty-second delay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it. That, that could be what it is. That incidentally, that was the mask was a genuine mask, which I didn't mm. realise. That was like a, an actual produced Halloween mask in ninety-one and ninety-two, and the and he was called what was it? Yeah, um, made by a company called Fun World, and he was the peanut-eyed ghost. So, yeah, I know. I know. Terrible. Uh, I think if they called it that, it may not have done quite as well. Yeah, I don't think it would have gone as well. But the producer, Marion uh, Madalena, found that mask when they were scouting for locations. She just found it in a random house and uh, showed it to Wes Craven. And he was like, right, well, I'll get the rights to it so we can use that. So they contacted the company and obviously the company were like, so you're going to do like a major motion picture using this thing? okay right we're going to start producing it again yeah um and they they renamed and it was them who renamed it ghostface Mm. uh like the uh uh, this um fun world company and in the film um tatum calls him mr ghostface so she's the only one Mm. who uses that term in the in the whole film but i'd I'd forgotten that the the costume itself is actually called father death Oh, when, <laughs> when they bring in, you know, when they say, oh, it's a costume that you could have bought in any shop. Oh, that's right. Dewey's got in. He says it's in every yeah, diamond, yeah. five and dime in the state. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. And it's it's called Father Death. And I quite like that as a name, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, obviously they just went with whatever the company had called it, I assume. Maybe mm. that was part of the licensing deal. I don't know. But um, I think Father Death is actually a pretty cool serial killer 
franchise sort of yeah, it's on its own. I'm surprised uh, somebody also, didn't rip it off and make a 12 part franchise out of it. You're quite right because everything else. Fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> also, I would have thought that does it is it meant to point to the red herring about the dad again? Mm. Like that it's father death, so it is her dad who's oh, yeah. who done the murders. Um, <laughs> but actually, and it, it get, again to give you an idea of how 90s. I found watching Scream, for good and bad. Um, the guy, what is it, Cotton? The guy who's meant to be yeah. his mother. mother. Yeah. yeah. Who, it's it's Liv Schreiber, isn't it? Yes. Who played him. And, but we were watching it, and it, was, it doesn't have a, he doesn't have any lines in this. He's just mm. in a... I know he comes back in the sequels, but in this, he's just in... Um, Cotton it's Weary. Sorry. That's it, yeah. Cotton Mather is uh, the Salem uh, town elder, so ignore that. <laughs> but yeah, and, and um, you know, so he's only in it for, and he doesn't speak or anything else like that. And, this is a, and I, was in, I was drawn so into the mid-90s that I said to Claire, is that Gavin Rosdale? <laughs> and they and then real and then realised my age when I had to explain who Gavin Rosdale was. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, so probably not then. <laughs> See, now I found I did find this pretty nineties going back and rewatching. Yeah, but my notes for Scream Two, which I made, literally say, "Fucking hell, it's the nineties." Um, oh really? <laughs> yeah, because it is so much worse. Like this has got obviously it's got Nick Cave sort of twisted through it. That plays quite a lot. Um, <laughs> It does have, does have some really 90s music in it as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, the second one is just one of those Demon Knight type. If it's in the charts by an indie band in the <laughs> 90s, it's going on this soundtrack. Right. Even if it's just oh. someone's got to be playing it in their car or it's on at a party. And it's just every, like it's so 90s, it hurt my face. Mm. But, um, I, think, but, I mean, that also definitely there was like, Oh, they're gonna get it on. How do we know? How do we know they're getting it on in the nineties? Trip hop. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, speaking of getting it on, we cannot get past <laughs> the fact that um, Wes Craven uh, obviously has made this film, uh, and one of the lead characters in it, uh, Billy, uh, played by Ski Ulrich, is just a dollar store version of Johnny Depp, isn't he? Yes. Absolutely. Claire yeah. said exactly the same thing. She was like, is that what happens if you buy Johnny Depp off Wish? <laughs> I'm not saying he's unattractive, he, but he is a, he is he is so close to him, he could be his, you know, brother. It's 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 the different it essentially it feels like the difference with what my mum said about my dad many moons ago, which was uh, well, I was attracted to your dad because I thought he was like Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights. I thought he was like brooding. Uh, actually, it just turns out he was moody. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the, I think that's the difference. John, yeah. Johnny, Johnny Depp smouldered. He sort of fiddled a bit. <laughs> bless him. So, but I mean, actually, I mean, in terms of like, I mean, obviously, like Rose McGowan, I, I love the character of Tatum anyway. But I think Rose McGowan, like m pretty much everyone in this, is everyone in this knocks it out of the park. 
I must confess that David Arquette, I'm just like, no, nah, you're, you're not doofy, mate. You're not, you're not edging it <laughs> yeah. up enough for me. But yeah, every, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, Matthew Lillard mm. quite cleverly irritated me, but in the same mm. way that it's like, no, you've got the character exactly right. Yeah. That, yeah. Guy at, that guy at school would fucking yeah. irritate me. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So I think, yeah. And actually, the some of the some of the bits I did I really did laugh at the point where they're stabbing each other. That's right. <laughs> so I was, like, was going to mention I'm getting, that. I'm, I'm getting woozy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, that genuinely did make me laugh. You know, that was proper piss myself. Uh, and especially because, like, I, I think because again, uh, watching it with Claire, Claire had never seen it before, and she was like, mm. "Right, well, I think it's I think it's the deputy." Um, or it's Shaggy. I hope it's not Shaggy because I hope he gets killed. <laughs> was, <laughs> was the assessment there? So, I, do, I think the idea of having two killers as well is actually yeah. it isn't a cheat, but no. it stops you from from working it out. Yeah, working, yeah, absolutely, perfectly. It's, it's so clever. Mm. Also, I don't know about you. I kind of get the idea because this does have this does have an air of Hitchcock in the sense of like some of the shots of especially things where it's like reflections of the killer in people's eyes and things mm, like that feel yeah. very, okay, yeah. feel very Hitchcock. And I think that that, that those two, it reminded me of rope, you know, the two yes. guys in rope yes. where it's like, where you're almost like it, by the end of it, you're like, are they a couple? But whatever it is, they've just gone wrong together. Yeah. Mm. You know, which sort of... But I think... And actually, this is something that I think Claire was... Because you mentioned it earlier, Chris, we were saying about, like, was the, you know, the cloning of the phones and everything else like that. Yeah. Um, Claire did point out that this is so fixed in its place in time because of how the technology is. Yeah. Definitely. So you've got you've got cordless phones, mm. but they're the, you've got cordless phones, but they're for the landline. And they're those big white with an air, with an extending aerial sort yeah. of thing and you've got a big base unit yeah. with like deck unit where they've got to stay. And and also the fact that mobiles Mobile phone or cellular phones cellular are, yeah. uh, are not um, are not you know not common. are not obligatory enough. Yeah, they're yeah. not common enough. Mm. Yeah, like they're, business people, the reporter, they've got it. Yeah, yeah, but also like if some if someone came into your house and dropped their phone, that would mean fuck all now. Yeah, but in but in this, it's it's <laughs> yeah, unusual it's like that. enough that the yeah. phone was you had your phone you know ready in your pocket mm. it wasn't like yeah. you know, it wasn't like at the bottom of your bag switched off or, you yeah. know. um so even, they're saying because like the because billy's dad is saying oh well, all kids have got cell phones these days and everything but it's sort of yeah it's clearly not common enough no. in the film it's sort of it's just that weird crossover point where okay people you can chase drew barrymore because she's not attached to a cold and keep her on the phone 
but mm-hmm. it's not got to the point where it's like, well, not only that, but also Claire said the one thing that would fuck this film now is caller ID, where you're just like, don't know that number. That's not, yeah. Put it back down. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and following this, only because it was mentioned three times, I was hoping to squeeze it in before we started recording, but I didn't quite. Um, I think there's three different references to Prom Night in this film, um, mm. which I've never seen. So uh, I have got it off the shelf because I've got it in one of those packs of movies and I just never got around to putting it on. Uh, so it I'll does put it seem on like we probably should. Check it at some point. Um, yeah. But again, it's I've just started it, so I don't want to judge it too quickly, but it feels a little bit Black Christmas. Um, mm. Plus, Again, I think, yeah, you're, I think Prom Night is, is from that early sort of Halloween era. Yeah. And I mean, it's Leslie it... Nielsen as well, which Jennifer just keeps it... I just keep thinking of airplane. <gasps> yeah. Can't yeah. No. The, the worst thing that ever happened to Leslie Nielsen was when people started telling him he was funny. Because when, just as a straight actor in Airplane, it's perfection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love Police Squad. I love Naked Gun. But still, yeah, just... Yeah, so it's, it's like Forbidden Planet. He turns up and it's like, right, no, I'm not taking this seriously anymore. <laughs> and if someone says, surely you can't be serious, I know what I'm saying to the screen. But I think, yeah, I think I think also this is... Because obviously you've got the character of um, Randy, who's your... Who's like the horror nerd. He's like the narrator. Yeah. And again, I can, I think there's, um, oh, what is it? There's an element of half of it. And, and I, again, I don't know if it's just me watching it now or whatever like that, but there's a part of me that feels that the, the humour about horror nerddom feels a bit pointed. It, you, do you know what I mean? It feels, it's not, not necessarily affectionate in that Randy is a prick on so many levels. So there's no, do you know what I mean? So the the representative of the horror geek community in the film. But but isn't that though, like most children of their ages are a little bit. Oh yeah. But I I think it's like there's, he's not cool enough to be the killer. Um, He's not cool enough to be a victim, like a, a sort of midway murder victim or anything else like that. And um, also, it has to be said, the scene, obviously the scene where it's like, you know, the rules of a horror film. Oh, fucking hell, that just, that was the go-to clip for mm. Scream. Yeah. And I just remember it being on so many things, like clip shows and end-of-year shows and things like that. And, and this is going to make me sound like a, a miserable little git, but there is also a part of me that's like, fuck you, the general public, knowing the rules. Fuck off. <laughs> it felt, I, I felt like I feel like I'm in, uh, what's it called? The Magic Circle and Penn and Teller have shown up to uh, yeah. tell people how tricks are done. Where I'm kind of like, don't fucking tell them. They'll, they'll notice it now. Although the curious thing <laughs> yeah. is, it's almost, it's almost like something like, it's like the Simon Cowell effect of X Factor, where it's like, Right, we will show you the process by which we sell you this crap. Mm. 
And with this, it's almost like, right, we'll, th this film should essentially underline and remove slasher movies. Yeah. Because it's like, right, so here is, here's the slasher movie. Here is why every, here's all the aspects that are absurd, etc. <coughs> and yet, but all that you get at the end of it is loads of like slasher movies, essentially. You get uh, Urban Legend and I Know What You Did Last Summer and... Um, you know all the all these sort of films that copied Scream, Final Destination as well, and they all sort of kind of copied Scream, and everyone was like, "Oh, great, yeah." And they're all ones that don't have the factor of, well, at least we've turned around and said, "Yeah, this is bollocks, isn't it?" So, mm. <laughs> but that's it. So, so, so it's like it's losing under its own success for you because mm. uh, so at the time, like, what did you think of it the first time you watched it? Well, the week, I didn't see it in the cinema. The um, mm. first time I saw it was on video, which I think was... A, and again, I think it was sort of... I thought it was good. I'd seen... But had uh, it been like built say, up I'd, too much, though, yeah, by then, I if you didn't see I it at the cinema? Well, also, also, I think there was... Yeah, because obviously it was a big, big film. And in, in those yeah. days, it would, be, it would be maybe sort of four or six months before something came out mm. on video either to buy or to rent um because i'm pretty sure i fucking rented it so that's how long ago it was but yeah. um you know and i think there was back then i probably not so much enjoyed it more but it obviously it would have felt just like more like a, just a contemporary piece of cinema mm. yeah though i certainly don't have the facts or i didn't have the facts of then of going fuck me this is 90s because i was in the <laughs> yeah. so you know i was i was too busy in it to notice it and um but yeah i think they're probably also i think it was one of those things where just again it was a mainstream success but it didn't seem i don't know not worthy of it that's wrong because i think it's a mainstream success because of the humor side of it and the postmodern side of it rather mm. than you know oh it's a slasher film it's a slasher film or whatever but I think, yeah, there was so many people where it was like, oh, my God, this is like... It, people were sort of hailing it as the absolute future of horror. And I sort of watched it and I was like, yeah, what? So better written scripts? Hopefully that is the future of horror. <laughs> um, but um, but that, that sort of didn't seem to be the thing that came with it. So, I mean, I think it's very telling because the guy who... The guy who wrote the script, Kevin uh, Kevin Williamson, he um, he got a load of work on the basis of this script. It was just doing mm. the rounds in Hollywood, and everyone was like, you know, it, it caused a massive sensation within like though, like that area of the industry where people were looking at scripts for like specking scripts and stuff like that. And all these people were like, oh fucking hell, have you read this and everything? And apparently. Wes Craven only really got involved because he was at some convention and this little boy, he said to him, oh, what's your favourite movie of mine? And he said, The Hills Have Eyes and you haven't done shit since. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Wes Craven was like, I'm not being called out by a fucking eight-year-old. <laughs> I'll show you, you little turd. Yeah. And I think so. Uh, but, um, yeah, so, but in the meantime, while this was happening... The, Kevin Williamson, the scriptwriter, um, he created um, Dawson's Creek. Yeah, exactly. 
And I think that Dawson's Creek is referencing this, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. Might be because I think because that's the thing is he got the job doing Dawson's Creek on the basis of the script. The film hadn't been fucking made. It was just the strength of the writing that was getting him uh, notices. In fact, he did. Um, he also he did write. Uh, I know he did last summer, but he also wrote um, Halloween H two O. Okay. Like this, which again was the first attempt at trying to reboot the thing. Like in terms of reboot the franchise, because that's meant to only be the sequel to Halloween's one and two. Yeah. Rather than like the whole sort of mess and tangle that the storyline had got into at that point. Um, but again, I don't think it was that obviously wasn't as successful, but he was still following that route where it's like there's an element to this where it's like, no, we're gonna we're going to treat it in the way that people actually know what a horror movie does, mm. you know, which is essentially, the, I mean, that's the, that's the, the part of it that people, that's the part of it that people took that I think worked and made, because it makes for, it, certainly in script terms, it makes for better fucking, rather than having to explain to someone, if someone's seen a vampire movie, at least you're going, right, I'm getting some steaks. You're not sort of trailing them. Why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> Why are you getting holy water or whatever like that? You, you know, it's, it's, it's Fright Night again, you know, where it's like, you know, he's the um, boy in Fright Night's like a horror movie aficionado. So yeah. he knows, or the Monster Squad or whatever like that, you know. They they know how to... Um, they know, they know how to what they're up it. against and, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so he did like Dawson's. What else did he do? Because he did Dawson's Creek, The Vampire Diaries, The Following, which was apparently Kevin Bacon versus serial killers, The Secret Circle, which was some uh, series about witches. Um, he also wrote he wrote Screams One, Two, and Four. Didn't write three. Um, the Faculty. Cursed, which I've never seen. Have you ever seen Cursed Lee? It's Wes Craven's werewolf movie with Christina yes. Reed. Yes, I have. Um, oh, very good. Uh, if, if you thought this was 290s, don't go near it with a 10-foot pole because... Thank you. No, as that's... 90s as it gets. For, as I, I, because of the, the films like this have done so well. So all of a sudden mm. they were like, mainstream people want to see horror. Give them all of the horror. And it was like, no, they... they don't they liked this because it was funny? They don't mm. like their proper horror, but they got... liked this. I, I think also there's that. That's possibly another element as well. Is that I think for a certain again doing horror a disservice is like you say. I think that the public liked this, mm. but also were like, oh, I've seen horror movies now. Yeah, because this film explained to me how horror movies work, and it's like, no, this film explains to you how slashers work. Yeah, yeah, there it's, is yeah, it's a, a very whole... small subgenre. Yeah, and I think yeah. So and to be fair, it was a subgenre that was only what 10, 15 years old, really, at this point. Uh, well, uh, no, ninety six. And Halloween. No, well, it's seventy eight under twenty years. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you had the first couple, and then it took a couple more years before it kind. I mean, it really it was mm. a sort of mid eighties onwards where where the slasher became. Oh yeah, and like all of horror effectively for that short period um apart from all the stuff that we love as we say night of the creeps and night of the demons but i think the stuff yeah but uh, certainly the franchise stuff that's yeah. and i think that's that is a key point with scream 
in the the franchise goes on, mm. but with Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven mostly continuing the story as well. So it becomes, it's not just a comment on slasher films, it then becomes a comment on slasher franchises. And I think that's what I liked about it, is that, you mm. know, that this one is the, these are the quintessential rules of a horror film, and this is what it is going to happen. And, and it does basically lay the whole film out for you as you watch it in the way it's mm. supposed to play out. And the second one is the same. I, oh, if this is a sequel, this is how sequels go, mm. and it follows every one of those beats. Uh, so I must one, have never seen that then. Definitely not, and I would quite like to now. Uh, the, oh, the cast on the second one is absolutely phenomenal. Um, mm. So obviously you've got the majority of the, the same people you've got in this one. Uh, Lee Schreiber is in it a lot more. Mm. Um, let me, you've got Timothy Oliphant in it. Uh, Jerry O'Connell is in it. Uh, oh, oh, Sarah Michelle Geller in it. Sarah Michelle Geller is CC in it, and this is in the height yeah. of her prime. Yeah, um, mm. yeah. It's it is it, one of the other things I wrote down. I wrote down. Fuck here now. One of the other things I wrote down. Um, yeah, is like this is just a dream cast. The second film. Mm. It's it's mm. painfully nineties, but everybody in it is at the height of their game, and it's and again it's got that you know like we said with this. Um, like you were saying, Adam, when uh, Claire was kind of hoping that Matthew Lillard wasn't the killer because she wanted to see him get it. <laughs> the thing I liked about this was it opens on the most, well, maybe not the most obnoxious couple. It opens on a couple queuing to get in to see a horror film. And he's like, mm. oh, it's free tickets. It'll be a bit of a laugh. And she is the most obnoxious piece of shit <laughs> you've ever heard. You know? um, and it's played by uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, oh right, yeah. So, so she plays Omar X, plays the guy, and it's his girlfriend. Um, yeah. Oh, and she's just such a piece of shit to him. Like she's just so obnoxious <laughs> to him, and you're like, I can't wait for her to get it. And then he gets it first, and you're like, No, <laughs> he's fine. Get her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, and it, it, I like the way. So the second one plays with the tropes of the, mm. of the mm. sequel. The third one does the, well, if this is a trilogy, you've been misdirected from episode one, which it does nicely. <laughs> and then episode four is the jump in the shark episode, which is what it's always going to be. Um, mm. And obviously there is the fifth one coming out in, I believe, 2022 now. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Decided, they've, just, they've just decided, well, let's just, we, we were overconfident when we said we were going to release June in july or whatever it was bloody yeah. last year so they're like let's let's not even fuck with this let's just give it a wide berth and say 2020 <laughs> that sounds right we, we we'll just allow for the fact that we're gonna have to write the next year off as well probably yeah so. <laughs> uh, but that's good i mean it's, it, to be fair it's been a bit of a nightmare year because as you say nothing news come out so if they're not showing at the cinema, they're not coming out on Blu-ray or Netflix or anywhere, so we're not getting anything new. There's so much old shit that has been on my... Mm. And I, look, I, I, I hold my hands up. I do find it when I'm editing these episodes. Almost everything anybody says, I go, I must re-watch that. I must re-watch that. <laughs> and half of it, I don't. But it's given me the opportunity, as I say, with all of the Scream films and the Cornetto trilogy and all that, mm. to just go through all the stuff that's on the shelf that I don't remember as well as 
perhaps I should, and stuff like Prom Night that's been sitting there for the last 10 years and I've never taken it out mm. of cellophane. So who knows? I might even watch Pieces before all this craziness is over. But I, th- I think also the one thing uh, I think, and this is this is not this is not a complexion on my take on Scream, definitely. But I also there is a part of me that does feel a bit annoyed that Scream gets the plaudits while loads of people say, uh, "Where's Craven's new nightmare shit?" and Where's Craven's new nightmare is shit if you wanted Nightmare on Elm Street Part 10. Yeah. Mm. But it's not shit. It's really isn't it? Well isn't that isn't it another out. satire? It's very much very similar to this in that it's it's so meta, basically everyone yeah. from a Nightmare on Elm Street is in the film as themselves. As themselves. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Freddie Freddie has basically the character or the 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 meme of the the uh, of freddy or the mm. idea of freddy has been inhabited by this ancient evil that sort of takes him as his icon because he's been i mean it's a, it's a very wonderfully done by wes craven in that it's like because he is the scariest character that anyone's ever come up with <laughs> um you know but also uh, the, you know the evil would naturally take his form but because mm. they've stopped making Nightmare on Elm Street films, he is becoming frustrated and breaks into the real world. But <laughs> when he breaks into the real world, he is in the form of Freddy. Mm. Um, but you've got Robert England playing Robert England, the guy who plays yeah. Freddy Krueger. And yeah. you've got um, uh, like Wes, Craven, Wes Craven's himself in it and mm. um, I, uh, Heather Langenkamp. Obviously, and it's just yeah, it's. But, well, so why do people not? You think they don't like that as much? I think I think it's oh, every any anything with this sort of stuff. I think is timing. People mm. might not have been because I I'm sure a new nightmare is before this. I think new nightmares like maybe ninety, maybe ninety four. Mm. Might be way off there. I'm not sure, but I think New Nightmare, and it was weird because I think most people had, by the time it came out, most people had abandoned the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh, and the people New who, Nightmare, sorry, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, two years before this in ninety, mm. oh, yeah, ninety four, ninety four, mm. and and basically, I think what happened was is that people had lost. A majority of people had lost interest in the franchise and those that hadn't who would, would stick with it and watch the film didn't like the fact that it was different or it yeah. was doing something new with the story or change you know because it's very sort of league of gentlemen's apocalypse essentially it's the sort mm. of the the idea of like tulpa and idea space bleeding into the real world where it affects the real people who made the film in the first place. Mm. But so I think when that came out, you probably couldn't have interested people in going to see a Nightmare on Elm Street by saying, no, honestly, this one's good. And it wasn't helped by the fans, by the fans who had sort of stuck doggedly with the series where it's like, no, this is something different. I don't like it. See, I, everyone. You know, I, I wanted another Nightmare on Elm Street film. I didn't want this whole new 
it's that experimental take it's the on Halloween it. free effect, isn't it? Effectively, it is kind it's of a good yeah. film, but it's not what I sat down and expected. So therefore, yeah. I'm automatically against it. And and then two years later, Scream comes along and everyone gets it. Mm. But then, but then, interesting enough, Scream is something. Scream is a new thing. It's not, you know, part of an ongoing series or even a comment on an ongoing series. If if Scream had been Friday the Thirteenth Part Ten, it probably yeah. wouldn't. Have, yeah, it probably wouldn't have been successful. The fact that you can go into it and you watch it as a film, but it's also got that. Mm. element there for the horror fans and stuff um also and this is not something that you can you should ever use as a yardstick but it's no cabin in the woods and because <laughs> mm-hmm. to me ca- in cabin in the woods i think is the final word on that horror take mm. and it's quite nice actually because then, then if you take it that there's scream and then a through line and you result in Cabin in the Woods, then Scream deserves to be applauded because it leads to Cabin in the Woods. Um, yeah, the, the only difference I would say is that Cabin in the Woods shows a supernatural side, whereas this... Oh, yes. This, yeah. this makes you think it could be supernatural at points when you don't know, and then obviously once it's explained, it's like, oh, okay, that now makes sense. Because I think, I, I mean, I'll give it its due. This, this sticks to the heart of a slasher movie much more so than... Yeah like a lot of what gets referred to as slashers yeah it's like mm. lee it's like lee lee said before lee said on the podcast before about like nightmare on elm street mm. they get lumped in with slashers mm. but they don't have that same sort of feeling and curiously although like in halloween up until halloween 4 michael myers and halloween 2018 michael myers is a human being yeah mm. he's not a re- a resurrected corpse or anything and that is the main thing of most slashers tend to fall more into crime yeah black christmas yeah. does um even the first friday the 13th obviously um but yeah a lot of them uh the burning you know it'll be there'll be things like oh he was uh fed through a wood chipper and stuck back together with cement um, but he's still essentially meant to be a human being. <laughs> so you know, he he might be horrifically deformed from when a teenage prank went wrong and someone shoved half a gallon of acid up his arsehole, but he's still meant to be a human <laughs> being that survived that. I need to um, rewatch Return to Slaughter Highest on my rewatch list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't like I say, I hope I hope I haven't sort of I haven't killed anyone's buzz or anything. It just, yeah, it did. It didn't work for me, but I can. It's like it's like Swedish furniture. I can admire the way it's put <laughs> together. It just wasn't for me. Sure. That's perfectly all right. Don't worry because I know what we're watching next week. So it is going to be full oh, on. That's true. Yeah. All next week. <laughs> I'm back to being the grumpy brick next week. Don't you? Us. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I should be singing and dancing and. Possibly masturbating. No, I wouldn't. Be, <laughs> um, Goblin aren't that good. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, uh, one other thing I should mention while we were talking about cameos, I didn't bring it up, but if Chris needs any pushing to watch the later ones, um, in Scream 3, as Adam mentioned, they're making a film uh, called Stab. 
um, mm. and the guys, the production guys who are on set putting it together are Roger Corman and Lance Henriksen. Uh, mm. And at one point Fantastic. they go to Roger Corman's secretary, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> well, that didn't take much to do. And, and again, it's the great <laughs> referential thing of she does. Uh, Star Wars is obviously brought up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, okay. it, it takes well, the same comedy as you'd expect it to with this, really. So, yeah. It, I consider well, it my duty to watch that now. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, the, the fact that there's such a big space. So this was 96. Uh, two was 97. Uh, three mm. was in 2000. Then there was 11 years until the fourth one <laughs> came out. Um, it's like 2014, isn't it? Or something? Uh, 2011. Realize, yeah. 2011, yeah. I didn't realise it was that recent. And there was a TV series in the middle as well, wasn't there? There was, and it's funny actually. So I, I've got all these on uh, DVD, um, hmm. and the fourth one I've got, the cellophane was off of it, but I was like, I don't remember, but I remember this coming out and saying, oh, it's been ages, and I remember watching and liking it, and I put it on and got about twenty minutes in and went, I have never seen this film. <laughs> <laughs> I've bought it, I've tried to watch it, or some things happened, um, yeah, and just. Got, and I was like, yeah, no, I definitely have not seen it. Because the beginning's one of, not to spoil it, one of those jumpy reboots. You, you think it started, but it hasn't started. Mm. Something. Oh, yeah. And it does that about three times. And I was like, <laughs> don't remember her. Don't remember her. Don't remember this. Yeah. And, and the whole thing's like, and then once it actually got going, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so, yeah. I, but again, mm. it's, I'm not going to hold out too much hope on the fifth one because a fifth return to the pool might be a little bit much, especially after, you know, again, well, after another 10 years, but. I'll be, I mean, obviously, obviously Wes Craven's dead, so he, he's not returning. Um, it's the new one. He's interesting enough. And this sort of, unless they're going to go that meta with it, and then that will make me jump with joy is, are they going to claim are they going to do one that's a reboot that only goes back to the first one yeah. <laughs> and ignores the sequels or something like that? Because um, it's just called Scream. It's not called Scream 5 or anything else like that. They've just mm. called it Scream, much like Halloween 2018 yeah. was just called Halloween. Um, but the director, Matt uh, Bettinelli and... Uh, oh, Matt bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillett... Uh, Gillet, Gillet, um, are the directors. I'm not sure I know them. I uh, didn't recognise the writers either. So it's a whole mm. new, it's a whole new team involved. But yeah, pretty much every everyone who can return is returning. Yeah. So you know, Excellent. If, as long as, you, as long as you've not been killed in uh, <laughs> any of the subsequent films or the first one, yeah. Or you have been killed and they managed to find an inventive way of bringing you back. <laughs> because let's be fair, it is a slasher film, so it could go the Friday the 13th route of uh, just... Yeah, somebody's not dead, really dead. Their grave could get struck by lightning and they come back to life again. <laughs> I mean, who the fuck knows at this point? There was a thing that did did really uh, uh, warm the cockles of me art. Um, Matthew Lillard apparently does appear in Scream 2 and 4. Um, but just as like an extra, <laughs> mm. or like supporting artist, he's just in the background in like a couple of shots or whatever like that. 
And I, I just thought, yeah, you know, that's quite sort of, that's, uh, you know, that that shows a love, I think, that you're, mm. you know, regarded with some affection. Well, this is the other thing you said about him, you know, you mentioned him before and said you just kept thinking of him as Shaggy. So after the live action Scooby-Doo movies, he now does the voice of Shaggy mm. on all the animated ones because they're like, mm. he just does it perfectly. Just get him in. So yeah. the recent one that it's, came out this year is him doing the voice of Shaggy on it. <laughs> it's so it's so obvious because I mean it was that was one of those things where it's like I'm never going to watch this movie, but fuck me, fair play to you, mate. That is Shaggy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, absolutely. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, I um, yeah, because he's the, yeah, because he is now the current voice, and apparently the guy. The guy who's the voice, as they describe it, on um, the phone. Yeah. Um, that's that that uh, that guy has Roger Jackson. like sort of yeah. He has like three hundred odd credits. Mm. Most of them are uh, voiceover work on computer games and stuff like that. Mm. But interestingly enough, he is the most recent voice of uh, Mojo Jojo. In the I'm just looking now. It says Scream TV series. Next thing below it, the Powerpuff Girls, Mojo Jojo. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the rest of it, the rest of it is he's just. It, it appears that you can't make a computer game without him. Oh, <laughs> he was on Dishonored too. I love that game. He's on quite a few um, Star Wars ones yeah. as well. Because I, I was having to check through because I thought he's got quite a. Quite a, a good voice. Have they given yes. him any? Of... Yeah, it's been on some seriously good games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, before we just go through his two hundred and thirty-seven credits yeah. on his uh, <laughs> IMDb. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah. So this is definitely not a recommend from Adam, uh, but it absolutely <laughs> is from me, Chris. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Excellent. I, I would I think... say anyone who's never seen it should see it. Yeah. Yes. That's, you know, but I'm, I'm kind of like that with anything, you know, straw, horses, my penis. If you've not seen it, <laughs> see it. The, the horror continues. Be... Uh, oh, uh, uh, just on a very quick side note as well, as well as all this stuff I've been watching, I have gone back uh, to one of our very early episodes uh, when we covered The Legend of Hell House. Um, oh yeah, and then Adam, you bought me Hell House, the book, the Richard Matheson book, because I'd never read it. Mm. Um, and I read a chapter of it, and I lost it, and I couldn't find it. <laughs> um, and it turned up last month when I was looking for something else. So I've started re- rereading it this week. Um, it's, a, it's a good read. It oh, really is. Fantastic. So Richard Matheson's more. a fucking great writer. He really yeah. is. And I think that's the thing. I love the Legend of Hell House because I love the story. But so much of mm. what's happening in the book is what people are thinking and what's going on in their heads, which obviously you, you can't put on screen. Um, yeah. But there is so much more happening. Um, it puts it puts a lot in there. It's yeah. great. It's much the same. I would say it, it's almost similar to the way uh, the Book of the Exorcist is, mm. where you know that you know the film, so you know the events, but you suddenly have like. 85% more information about what's going on in everyone's heads and yeah. backstory and things like that. And it really sort of brings to, and you, and it also gives you sort of moments where you're like, ah, oh, so that's why he did that. 
Oh, because um, you can understand yeah. his thought process because you know what yeah. he's... Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. It's funny how that makes it more immersive. You'd think watching a film should be, but somehow it's that that really sucks you in. Yeah. Well, it's that old adage about the effects are never as good as they are in your head. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That is absolutely true. But the thing is, because of Hell House, um, I'm all right with most of them, but uh, the character of Fisher can't, can't be anyone but Andy McDowell. Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> anyway, so thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Next week, uh, as we have teased, we are returning back to the... Uh, of the Dead series, um, following Night of the Living Dead, Adam said that he would like to cover off all of, or at least another three or four of the Of the Dead films. Um, mm. Yeah, the the the, the, um, the four, and I literally because the full film is all about Dennis Hopper being Donald Trump, and <laughs> you can have a great time spotting <laughs> like half the cast of Shaun of the Dead in it. So. Yeah, as mm. in their background moments, but essentially, yeah, the the dawn and day, definitely, just because I'm excited to show Chris something where it's like, oh, they did a sequel. None of the original cast are in it. It's a sequel to the events of that yeah. world. You know, it's yeah. it's such a rare, it's such a rare thing now. I mean, even yeah. even even as a, as a quick plug, uh, even um, uh, we might as we're going through with uh, uh, Moss Eisley Happy Hour, obviously, mm. you know, even the Star Wars universe became, sort of becomes quite insular mm. at points where it's like, well, no wonder he's doing that. It's his dad. Yeah. Like, oh, his dad, Greedo. Yeah. And so on and so forth. And I think, yeah, there's, um, yeah, with the dead, tri- with the dead, well, it was the dead trilogy, the dead, whatever it is now. I think it's, I think it's six. But yeah, we won't be we won't be troubling you with diary um, and survival of the dead. Sorry, I said that like a robot, but I was literally <laughs> scraped that off the back of my mind there. Um, but yes, yeah, so sorry, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so next week's uh, next next horrors episode, we're going to be covering Dawn of the Dead. So, yeah. excellent. Yeah. If only we'd done that before the Christmas quiz, I might have got the right answer. not to worry right thanks ever so much for listening everybody uh go and listen to our friends over at the not for everyone podcast uh if you're in any way interested in star wars uh we've got the moss eisley happy hour is showing up in this feed uh it is us plus our friend west and uh yeah we know we're not going to cover anything uh, uh, particularly groundbreaking our take on it (laughs) So yeah, bollocks. but it might just Lots it might fun. just stop us pausing a horror podcast for a good fifteen minutes per episode to argue about whether Emperor Palpatine is from Naboo or not. <laughs> yeah. so. And remember, don't answer the phone, don't open the door, don't try to escape. And also remember, movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Rules mm. mm. to live by. Right, thanks very much. Good night. Good night, all.